Welcome to the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast with your host, Kelly Sisson, wife, mother, therapist, and hippie at heart who loves Earl Grey iced tea, deep conversations, and encouraging others. If you need a little encouragement today, you are in the right place. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to another episode of Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. You know, I have to be 100% honest. You may have noticed, but it's actually been a bit since I released an episode of the podcast. There have been several reasons for that. Mostly to be 100% honest, there is so much going on in the world right now. And I just really want to be respectful of that. And I didn't feel like releasing additional episodes of the podcast would be the most respectful thing to do in this moment. But I had a dear friend of the podcast reach out. You may remember Anna Robinson from episode 54. She came on and talked about self-care and talked us through how she has been able to really learn and adapt that to meet her needs. But today we're talking about something much different. I'm sure you've seen in the news, the death of George Floyd has absolutely turned our world upside down. Now, I want to be really clear. George Floyd's death is not the first one of this kind. But what Anna and I talk about is that it has really changed things in a way that the world will not go back the same way. So we are almost starting out putting the puzzle pieces back together. So Anna had reached out asking, can I come on the podcast? You know, can I share my heart about, you know, what, what has happened, what it's been like, you know, how I've been able to really find ways to ground myself. And I absolutely felt so honored to have her on the podcast to talk about these really hard and so vulnerable, you know, topics. This is not easy to talk about, but it's so needed. And the fact that Anna is willing to do that is remarkable. She is quickly becoming one of my favorite humans. She is absolutely phenomenal. And I know that you are going to love this episode. Be sure to go back, though, and listen to her first episode as well, episode 54. Um, But I hope that you guys are able to really get some really fantastic healing and clarification um, and solidarity to know that you are not alone in this. This is hard. This is so hard, but you are not alone in it. And Anna has some fantastic tips and ways to be able to help bridge the fact that this is hard and there are still action that we, there's still action that we can take. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. One quick side note, I am recording from my home studio. Also with COVID going on, things have changed. So you may periodically hear a train horn going by. It is what it is, folks. I can't do much about it, um, but I hope that you're able to sit through that and really hear her fantastic message. And now to the show. Thank you so much, Anna, for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Kelly. Yes, absolutely. This is so exciting. Your second time on the podcast. I love to have people back. So, <laughs> yeah, last time I was like, yeah, I will come back anytime. So, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes and it worked out perfectly. <laughs> I want to talk to Kelly. <laughs> yes, and I'm so I'm so glad that you did, and I'm so glad that we're able to make this work. Um, so I'm wondering, can you introduce yourself for people who maybe didn't catch the last episode? Yeah. So um, my name is Anna Robinson. Um, I have a blog. Um, it's listenupandread.com, and also a like Instagram page. I like review books and podcasts. Um, I'm a mother of two. They're eight, and my kids are eight and nine. Um, 
the last episode, I was just uh, leaving and um, separating from my husband. So um, I was talking about, you know, hard times during a self-care during a difficult season. Um, and so um, just in that experience, I think I learned how to um, take care of myself and prioritize myself so that I could show up well for others. Um, it's definitely, I definitely haven't arrived, but I'm like learning how that process is. So um, it's, it's pretty good. So Yeah. That's great. You know, and I loved, I love talking with you about self-care last time you were on the podcast because you really do. I think you're right. It is something we continue, right, to learn throughout our entire lives. Yeah. But you have such a good grasp of being able to to really balance if balance is a thing in life, you know, to be able to balance out of like, what do I actually yeah. need to do versus like, what is best and healthiest for me? Right. And I think that like, I... I know when I'm tired, my fuse is like a lot shorter. So I don't want to do like, I, I love my kids, right? I don't want to be like lashing out on them because I'm tired. Like I need to take responsibility of the fact that like I need to take care of myself so that I'm not putting that on them. So um, that was just like one of my lessons. Like um, that it's just like, it's not okay to like lash out on others because you're tired and you haven't prioritized yourself and you haven't taken care of yourself to like show up well for other people. And if you need a minute, take a minute. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And come back way more refreshed than if we want yeah. to have taken that for sure. So I definitely, mm -hmm. I love that, that part of your story. Um, I'm wondering, can you share a little bit about our conversation today and what you were, you know, hopeful to really talk with the listeners about? Yeah. So, um, with the death of, um, George Floyd, um, him being like murdered at the hands of you know, being unarmed and murdered at the hands of the of law enforcement, um, it really invoked a lot of emotions in me. Um, I had already felt really emotional about the Ahmaud Arbery um, try, um, incident. Uh, he actually, his birthday was the same day as my birthday. So it was like really, really like, you know, sad. I was already going through that. And then the George Floyd incident happened. And then President Trump's response of, the reaction to the riots and the outrage and the outcry was to over police um, communities that already had, you know, high crime issues and probably experiencing over policing. So um, it sent me on an emotional tailspin to kind of just watch the, pe the president address the country that way and then show up at this church with the Bible and like tear gas the crowd dis to disperse the crowd. Um, it, it was, it, it just like invoked something to me that was just like so raw and real. And just, it was just like, I'm, phys I'm me physically, I'm not in any harm or danger. I was telling uh, you when we spoke last week, I said, um, I've personally never had a bad experience with law enforcement. Um, the, where I live now, uh, the law enforcement is a part of the community. They are like, they're there and they're nice and they're like, I never have any problems with them. I know I can like get help if I need to talk to the police. Um, I've never like been, you know, mistreated because I was, you know, black. I'm a black woman. If it, <laughs> you guys can't see me, but I'm a black woman. Uh, I've never had personally any, any um, experiences with that, but it still invoked this like fear that I could be over police or I could be judged or whatever. It just like, it invoked something in me that like I was feeling this, like I was in danger. 
even though I know that I wasn't. And so I had to take a second to kind of like ground myself to be like, okay, you are not physically in danger right now. Like no one's coming after you. And as I was like processing those feelings, I was like, I just want to talk to my therapist. Like I I'm getting anxiety about like something that's out there and, and I'm, um, nothing's happening to me on a Robinson. Like nothing is happening to me, but I feel like something's happening to me emotionally. It feels like it's all happening to me. So, um, I wanted to, I reached out to you because I was like, well, she's a therapist and maybe we could just talk about this. Like, you know, and I would hope that my story would help other people. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad. Thank you for talking us through that. And I'm so glad that you did reach out so we could talk through this. Um, you know, yeah. I certainly don't have all the answers by any means, I but I am definitely a listening ear and definitely willing to help support you through this. You know, just even as we talked last week and, and now what, what I really think a lot is happening is that, it, I mean, it's traumatic, right? This is traumatic stuff and it's stuff that's really happening. So it would be yeah. different if it was just like an, an imagined danger, you know what I mean? Like a what if, but this is actually something that's happening. Um, and so I think being able just to acknowledge that, that like, this isn't something that's made up in in your mind. Like this is real right. life. And so we can validate that this is real life. And we can also validate, like you said, that in that moment where you personally in danger, no, but people were. Yeah. And so to be able to have that empathy for the fact that people were in danger and this is just such a hard, oh, so many thoughts, so many thoughts, yeah. <laughs> but it's such a, yeah. it's such a hard thing to, um, to witness and you had you know kind of shared some of that with me of you know actually like seeing that and what that did so I'm wondering if we can kind of talk through like it's again the trauma when we actually see it occurring when we hear it it can be traumatic but right actually right. seeing it occurring so I wonder if we can talk yeah. a little bit about that part of things too yeah for sure it I I really I didn't watch the whole video because um of George Floyd being murdered because it, it only took minutes for me to see that the officer had no regard for his life and just continued to abuse his power over a human being. Um, and it's, it was so, I was such, so outraged and it was so like sorrowful for me because it was just like, he's on the ground, he's cuffed. And, but it did feel like watching it on social media felt like I was physically there yes. and powerless and witnessing it. Like, just like the, it was a teenager that recorded it. Yeah. Um, to feel powerless, to feel like, you know, I could step in, but what if I would be in danger too? Like the cop has a, you know, a, a gun on him or, you know, the, the attention could be drawn to me now. And then I could be, you know, like, it was just like, so many emotions but I'm not there like I'm not physically there so I feel powerless in that too um so that's that's one of the things it's just like to get stuck in this emotional loop of powerlessness um because I can't say hey get off of him like it's just like it already happened but I'm still watching it like it's happening right now so I don't know if that makes sense yeah no absolutely I am I definitely fall on you you know, I, I have thought often about um, the young lady that was there and how just truly, I can't imagine at 17. I just honestly no. cannot imagine going through that at 17 and, and having it be such a nationally known 
event as well so there's like so many parts of that of how traumatic for her and you're and you're right I mean as far as you know if she I mean I'll be 100% honest I could not bring myself to watch the video either just seeing even the pictures yeah yeah is I I think is traumatic enough let alone seeing the video or right being present it was eight minutes it was an eight minute long video like crazy like I watched probably two minutes and I was just like, I, I can't like, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've seen, I've seen someone uh, that was protesting write out like every word that he said. Um, wow. And then he was like asking for his mom and everything oh. like that. And so I read his words and had to really sit with that. And I've seen someone else say like every mom was summons when he was calling for his mother. And it's just like, as parents and everything it's like all of those emotions and feeling helpless and that's what I think that like is at the root of all all of what I was feeling on Monday it was just like I just feel so helpless and this feels like such a hopeless situation because now instead of like I didn't feel real empathy from the president when he addressed the nation yeah he was empathizing with George Floyd's family but this is a systemic problem and this has been going on for a long time, but you're only addressing like this one particular incident, like it's isolated and unique, but this is just, we just have this particular recording. So um, it was a lot (laughs) to say. It's just a lot. Like it was a lot. I couldn't, I, I, I was having a hard time processing and I've been in therapy, you know, and I've like, I have no problem like reaching out to a therapist and talking through these things, but it would, I just, you know, know that there's, you know, a lot of mental health issues in the black community, in any community, but in the black community and without a lot of resources and without a lot of, it's just a lot of generational trauma and people can have parents that don't even know how to say like, you need to go to therapy. You need to talk to through these things. If you think about slavery and how that, trauma of just like keeping your head down shutting up and like survival has been passed on to generations and generations even my parents like I wanted to go my I live across the street from a pizza place and I wanted to go across the street to go pick up a pizza at nine o'clock at night alone like literally I can stand out from my apartment balcony and see the pizza place and my parents were like uh-uh, it's nighttime, it's nine o'clock, like, you cannot walk across the street, and I'm like, I will be safe, they're like, you're, you're a woman, you're black, you're like, you can't drive over there, like, I, like, literally was, like, on the phone with them, like, it takes me one minute to drive over there, like, we're so, they were in fear of my life, and I, like, I really got that, because I'm like, it's survival for them, it's been survival for black people, so this, like, you know, not being able to talk through these feelings is something that's been passed down for like 400 years too. So um, I think I, I talked about that in the, um, I talked about that in my last episode. I'm like, you know, therapy for the black community is a must. And not everybody is still is working through the same emotions, but I think a lot of people are, I think the majority of people do see these incidents and have, you know, feelings that probably need to be talked through with someone yeah absolutely absolutely yeah we talked a little bit um when we had talked you know last week about the therapy aspect of things and 
you know, really trying to find a therapist that, you know, you, whoever it is can identify with. And, yeah. and one thing that we had talked about that I think if, you know, if you're comfortable talking about it today um, would be the fact that we really do need to discuss that it is really important for whoever someone is meeting with, that yeah. they feel connected to the therapist. They don't feel like they have to protect their therapist. So if somebody is black and they're meeting with a white therapist and they're thinking like, you know, I don't want to have to educate you about this, or I don't think right. that you can identify with exactly what it is to how to be able to kind of bridge that conversation and um, navigate that. Cause it's, it's more important than the therapist. Do you know what I mean? Like it, so I wonder if we can kind of talk well, through I, some of that. I think on both sides um, of the therapist and the patient side, it's important to talk through when you're having a particular cultural experience and then saying like, you know, maybe I, you know, I think the therapist should understand like, okay, maybe I can find a, you know, a recommendation for somebody that can identify with that particular experience with you. And if on the patient side to say like, you know, I don't want to necessarily have to break down like these, these walls of trying to educate you. Like, is there, you know, do you have a recommendation for a, um, another therapist? Um, I do think that because we live in the society that we do, I think that like um, a lot of people may think that it's it's wrong to say like, we're not a good fit. And I think that if you're a patient, you should be able to say like, this is not a good fit. I know I have issues that I got to work through and everything, but I don't think that you're hearing me and you may be hearing me, but like, because we can't identify, you know, I think I need someone else. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and uh, from the therapist perspective of things, I want people to tell me that. You know what I yeah. mean? I want someone to let me know if they're feeling like whatever it is. And it doesn't it doesn't even have to be, I mean, it can be anything. You know, we can it can be they're wanting a specialist in eating disorders. It can be, you know, somebody has a particular particular religious affiliation and for whatever reason maybe I have a brief knowledge but not enough in depth, you know, right. that they really feel like yeah. I'm I'm able to hear where they're coming from. I would rather someone tells me that because I want people to get the help that they want. And if I can't do that, I don't want, I don't want anyone to stay with me because they want to be nice and kind, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's more important. Yeah. Um, I, I I was fortunate to find a, um, a black female therapist, but there was like, even if there's a time where there was a time where I was talking to her about certain things and I felt shame about it. And then I didn't want to go to her because of the shame that I was feeling. Like I felt like she was like, she wasn't judging me, but I felt like she was judging me and it made me want to like, you know, hide. So I think even with that, like, even if you're, you're talking through things and it's like, okay, well, you know, for whatever reason it's triggering this emotion with me, maybe it's time to talk to somebody else. You know, maybe, maybe it's time to move on because, you know, I'm feeling like, you know, you're fed up with what me, what I just felt like she was. <laughs> it was funny because I felt like she kept telling me to do a particular thing and I wasn't doing it. And for whatever reason, I needed to break down that wall. So uh, instead of not going to therapy anymore, I just needed to like find someone else to like kind of like, okay, this is how like I break, or even have the language to say that I need to break through this wall and this is the emotion that I'm feeling. So, yeah. um, but I think it's okay to say, 
we're not a good fit or I want to move on or maybe I'm like at a new stage in my therapy life and I should just go with someone else, you know? Yeah. Because I think that you can just like you have a teacher and like, okay, that was good for first grade, but maybe we need someone else for second grade, you know? So uh, yeah. No, I love that. And I appreciate you sharing that, you know, on in my own experience too with therapy, you know, I have a, had a ther- one therapist that I just really liked her. I liked her a lot. Like she's a very nice, kind person, but for whatever reason, I couldn't actually be honest about things. I want to be clear. I wasn't lying, but I would like sugarcoat it. Cause yeah. I'm like, I don't want to, yeah. you know, I yeah. want her to have to hear hard stuff, whatever. So, um, but then when I finally was like, you know what, I just need to go to someone else. Like it was re- really refreshing to have a fresh start and to know that like you can honor that experience you had with the first therapist and also move on and feel like you're yeah. able to like break down wherever you're wanting to go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that was what, that's one of the things that I'm like, okay, there's a, there is a level of personal responsibility on the patient as well to say, okay, this isn't a good fit and to be able to advocate for themselves and not just take, you know, whatever you know is handed to them. Um, I went to therapy through, um, I think it's an HMO kind of thing where they just assign you someone. And I just went with her. um, This is years ago, but I just went with her and I didn't think that I didn't feel like it was helpful. So I stopped going. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't know that I could like advocate for myself to change a therapist. And so it was years again before I found the therapist that I have now but um yeah just because you don't it's just because it's not a good fit with that particular person doesn't mean that you shouldn't continue to go and talk through your issues and stuff so absolutely absolutely yeah I love that and I think it's such an important conversation to have and like you say on on both sides of things you know for clients um to be able to advocate but also for therapists to be able to identify if they think there might be times when clients don't feel comfortable advocating to be able to say like I'm noticing this can we talk through this to be able to kind of bridge that as well right right yeah absolutely so we had talked a little bit about discussing you know really some techniques. Now I want to be really clear. This is not this, for anyone listening. They're going to be like, Oh, is this therapy? No, this is not therapy. This is just us talking through, you know, kind <laughs> of things. So, um, but especially as far as that feeling of safety, when the world feels so unsafe. You know? Yeah. I'm wondering, I know you shared a little bit about your experience, but, um, and how you were feeling then. And it seems like you're feeling, you know, a little, a little bit different. Now, but yeah. Yeah. Can you kind of talk through that though? Um, I, in my processing and feeling helplessness, I kind of had to ground myself in what my reality was right now. And it's like, you know, I had to walk through my, um, you know, am I safe? Like, is anyone coming after me? Are my kids okay? You know, what's something that I'm grateful for that's happening right now, like in my life right now? Um, you know, do I have food? Do I have shelter? Are my bills paid? Um, like, so I had to kind of walk through that process of like, you are okay. And you're going to pick yourself up and go, you know, each day and figure out, um, something that you can do the next day. But, um, I really, it really just took like kind of writing down, like, okay, what is life right now? And for you personally, what's happening to you personally? And then like, write that down you could still have emotions but just to ground yourself to be like no I am safe like I'm fed I'm okay um I might not be able to go to Target but like you know it's just like life is okay like there's still things to be grateful for 
and the sun is still shining right here, even though it may be dark somewhere else in the world. And then I took that once through I through that processing, I also thought, what can I do to help this situation outside in the world? Like what can I do within my own circle of influence to help what's going on in the world? And so I started writing letters to my mayor and writing letters to um, like, you know, the police department and writing letters to my kids' school and asking them what their diversity and inclusion um, curriculum would be like for the next year. And if they could bring some diversity and inclusion um, curriculum for students as well and workshops for parents. Um, but just to say like, okay, even though all this stuff is going on out there, what can I do in my own community to change, you know, in this particular case, it was racism, but um, what can I do to change this situation with my own hands, with what I have, like right now. So, um, yeah, just writing letters, writing letters to the mayor and um, to the state representative and to the police department. It really helped me personally. Um, I made phone calls to like the attorney's office for um, George Floyd and Amart Arbery. I made all those calls too as well. So. Um, I think that that helps, like, just to be able to say, like, okay, it's not happening to you, but there, is, there are things that you can do. Yeah. Um, you know, there are things that you can do to still help the situation. So you don't have to feel completely hopeless, but, or helpless, helpless and hopeless, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, like kind of grounding yourself to say, okay, this is, this is where I am right now. And what can I do about it? So. Yeah. I love that. You know, and it really sounds a lot like honoring both parts of it, like honoring the journey and the processing that you're going through, but also taking action. And, yeah. and what a beautiful way to bridge that of like, you know, this does feel at times like a hopeless and helpless situation, but yet I am able in my own community to make these changes. changes. Um, and that's just a really beautiful and wonderful way to really hold both sides of it of like, we, yeah. we do have the ability to make some change. It just may not always feel as hopeful as we would like, but the more we can get moving, I feel like. Right, can, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And then even with that, like calling my kids school and I kind of put out on social, like, you know, as a black mom, I'm calling my kids school to say like, you know, what's happening. And then I had other moms that go to my school, like, yeah, we're going to call too. And then like the school came back with like a whole plan and like resources for therapy for um, the kids and then community and stuff like that. So it was cool. I don't know if it was only me that, you know, started that, but uh, it just felt good to like know that they heard someone, you know, yeah. say that this is the need and then, you know, put some actions into place. So, um, but I'm just like thinking about like, okay, what are the places that I shop at? Like, are they, you know, responding? Are they, you know, acting? What are they doing to protect their, you know, employees and, should I direct my dollars elsewhere or, you know, write emails or letters or something? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. You know, what's so cool too is honestly, you will never know and none of us will the impact of just putting something out there like that. Like I'm calling my kids school and I'm asking the hard questions and like right. how far that reach can truly go is pretty amazing when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So hopefully... Uh, I would love for them to do um, diversity and inclusion training, like new, I don't, I think the world will never be the same yes. after George Floyd um, died. And I think that 
we need new curriculum um, for teachers. I mean, we need new curriculum for um, students and parent workshops will be great too, because, you know, this is the next generation really um, that will be influenced by teachers and parents um, to, you know, show love really to be like, you know, just loving each other and um, have respect for human life. And um, I have a really good friend. I talked about her on your last podcast too. And I was talking about the little boy at the peak of privilege. Um, And I was talking to her and she was just saying like, um, she just wants her son to like understand like what his responsibilities are, like what he can and cannot do, like with his black friends, like if they're ever in trouble or whatever, like can he run off and leave his, you know, so things like that. It's like have open up those conversations. Um, I think that it could really change the world. Like, you know, why can't, why can't we just like continue to act, you know, defiant when my, you know, like stuff like that, like, you know, they're little boys, but my son is the same age as her son, but um, little boys, like, you know, they're running around and like, you know, no means no, stop means stop, like things like that, like to talk about that across color lines and across religion lines and things and and know what that, um, what that really means, what the impact is. So, yeah, yeah, I love that. You know, and I, I love the idea too about our ability, like our generation's ability to impact future generations and to be able to start having some of those conversations, even if they're uncomfortable, because let's be real, it's not always comfortable, but even if they're <laughs> uncomfortable, it's such important work and it's so yeah. important to, to really lean into that. You know, um, I saw, uh, I'm not sure if you've seen this one. I wish I could remember who put it up, but it was a video of several parents um, who were black who were sitting down with their children talking through like, this is what you would do if you're pulled over by the police and all. I could cry just thinking about it, but the first thing was like a little girl holding up her hands and she was saying her name and she, you know, I'm eight years old and I have nothing that can hurt you. And just to, to, to watch that, um, was obviously extremely heartbreaking and then to think that those are conversations that obviously I, I let's be real I haven't had to have and I haven't yeah. had to sit through um, by yeah. any means and that was just so hard to see and on the flip side of things I'm thinking so what conversations do I need to have with my son so that mm-hmm. later on in life we don't have these same difficulties and challenges yeah um, I think my, my friend um, was saying like you know, if you're ever in the car, like, and you can't be mouthing off, if you have, you know, you just, you personally can't be mouthing off to, you know, an officer and getting them agitated. You have a responsibility to your, your black friends, your friends of different races to stay calm, just as they would, they have a responsibility to stay calm. Um, you can't, you can't mouth off. You can't, you know, have sudden movements and anything like that because if you're you know there there's a shared responsibility between both um so i know my my son my kids they have friends of all different races all different age like it just across color lines so they just i had that conversation recently with them like you know if they were ever stopped by the police or if they were ever talked to the police and they were just like why and i'm like well you might be treated differently because of your skin and they were just like but why like they're the police like the police should be safe so um police need to be trained better how to interact with children as well but yeah we do have a responsibility to to teach our kids too so yeah absolutely. I definitely I definitely feel like 
law enforcement should be taught how to to talk to children. Um, what happened to Tamir Rice is just, you know, un I mean, that's every mother's worst nightmare. So it's just unimaginable that you wouldn't have a conversation or try to take a second to figure out what was going on. Um, but so both law enforcement should be trained and parents should also be, you know, talking to their kids of all colors and genders um, about how to respond. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I love that you bring up the police portion of things because I really um, do think that so much more training needs to happen. And what I have, what has given me some type of hope is that um, in these last couple of years, especially there have been more social workers, more and more social workers that they have been bringing on board as police departments. And um, I'm a social worker. Gotta give that little disclaimer. So I'm not saying that we're going to be able to like solve everything yeah. by any means, but situations like that are a time where having a social worker present would be super helpful just to be able to like bring things down a notch, you know? And like, yeah. like you say, actually take some time to figure out like what is going on before we just act. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's pretty cool too, to think about that. I honestly do believe this, that, that our children's generation are going to a hundred percent change this world into something. Oh that yeah. We've never seen. And that, that makes me excited. That makes me really excited. Yeah. 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 But the time is now to like yes. raise that, that generation, you know, like we can't, we can deal with certain things that happened in the past, but the past is the past. So like, what are we going to do with this information that we've learned and we've experienced? Okay, let's move on and change it for somebody else in the future. This should never happen again. Mm -hmm. um, what happened to George Floyd? It's just that should never happen again. Yeah, so. absolutely. You know, can I ask, what do you, because there's a big difference a big difference, a big difference in what has happened after George Floyd was killed that just is much different than other situations that are very similar. So do you yeah. have any thoughts on, it almost feels like there's like a national collective, like my husband and I were talking, he was like, I don't know how anyone could even look at that picture and think like that wasn't one, probably very intentional, not probably, was intentional. I'm just going to say it. it was intentional and it was complete disregard. And it was completely inappropriate. So he's like, I don't even know how anyone could ever even look at that and think that. And so it almost feels like there's like this collectiveness happening. There was no ambiguity about the video. Yeah. There was no ambiguity about what happened. And there's some videos that there is ambiguity or we didn't see, you know, what happened late leading up to, you know, this person being shot or killed or uh, well, maybe they, you know, maybe the officer felt fear for their life, or maybe the officer thought he was using a taser, or uh, maybe, um, maybe the officer thought that he was reaching. But this one was like so clear. Yeah. The man on the ground. Yep. He's handcuffed. He's in custody. And you continue to just abuse power. Yeah. Until he died. But other ones, it's like, okay, you, it's it's almost like he said, she said sure. um, stories. And so this one was like, oh, no, like you, like, you really abused your power. Like you abused your power and took someone's life. Like, what, you know, no, what can we say to that? And then there was no, the, it took he was, you know, let go, but he wasn't arrested right away. So it's like, what? Like, can you imagine on your job, 
if you killed someone and the worst thing that happens to you is that you get let go. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I cannot imagine that. Like we would be facing like criminal charges or, you know, something like, you know, lose your job and be like, go home and, you know, take some time off and you lost your job. Like, no, like there should be some punishment. There should be some criminal charges that happen some responsibility for everyone that was involved at the extent of the law. Yeah. You, there should be no like coat or whatever blue line or trust or whatever. Like, uh-uh. like you get a criminal process. You get processed through the justice system. Just anyone else would, if they were to take a life. Yeah, absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I I definitely think that makes so much sense of there really, I mean, that it, it, it was what it was, you know, like you say, there wasn't really a lot of he said, she said, I mean, it was like, straight on, you knew what was happening. Um, and it, it, it is just, it is mind blowing. It is really mind blowing. Um, I not overly surprising, which is what is so unfortunate. Um, but I'm, I am so hopeful that we'll continue this momentum you know, as a nation to yeah. be able to make some, some real serious change. One thing I want to go back to real quick, cause I know we got to um, make sure we can get, <laughs> get you. I don't want to take too much of your time today, but I do want to go back to, you mentioned as far as like, you know, businesses and, and, and different, you know, but different businesses that you might interact with and wanting to know like where they stand. Do you have thoughts on like, yeah. how can we really identify if we're supporting a business that has values that align with us? Right. Um, I, me personally, I just been going through their, their website and seeing if they had some type of response to what's going on. Um, I've been going to Instagram and social pages to see if they had some type of response that I'm reading their statements, um, for the future. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but, um, I'm, I'm definitely like looking right now. Like, did you respond? Did you, you know, did you say anything about, you know, to your, your, your community of customers and employees, um, you know, for the, this black lives, black lives matter movement that's going on right now. Um, and if they're dead silent, then I'm like questioning, like, okay, what's happening. So I, um, I think the next step on that would be to email or, you know, send out one of those customer service emails and say, you know, what's going on? Like, what's your, where do you guys stand on this issue? Um, I've seen I've seen some people look at different uh, companies and see where they're um, directing their um, nonprofit di- dollars. I think that that's public information, so that is a way that you can see where their values align to. Like, where are they throwing their nonprofit dollars to? Um, not that they have to throw it to the NAACP or or sure. if, if they don't want to, but like, are you like feeding the hungry? Are you you know helping children? Are you helping the un- underprivileged or underserved communities? Um, I think that would be something that someone can do as well. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, and along the same lines too, it makes me think of like the fair trade stamp, you know, that you can find on different products and like how, like to me, that is really important as well of being able to see like, you know, where people are getting products from are, you know, is this company being built on the backs of other people? To me, that's completely unacceptable, you know, but I love your idea of really thinking like, where are they donating to? Because that really does drive truly people are going to donate to, to places that they feel like are beneficial. So that will give you some type of an idea too. Right. Right. What their values are. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. That's great. You know, I've seen some really great responses and I've seen some kind of crappy responses. I'm just gonna (laughs) go. 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I, I've been reading through them um, and seeing, you know, this is aligned with my values. I, I went through and I had such a, you know, an emotional response to what happened. And I was like, I have core values that I'm, I'm not going to compromise on, like with friends and things like that. If you can't understand why, you know, Black Lives Matter and why racism should be eradicated, then I can't be friends. Like, we can't be in community together like that. Not that we, you know, we could come back from this. You're redeemable and everything like that. But right now, like, I can't be in that type of community with you because I don't feel like... I want to be in community with people that would stand up to someone that was being bullied. Like if on behalf of someone that was being bullied. And I feel like at this particular moment in time, the black community is being bullied Mm -hmm. and are you willing to stand up? And so, um, yeah, that that was my emotions about that. It's like, I, I can't be in community right now with someone that would not stand up to someone that was being bullied like stand up for someone that was being bullied and that's just what I want to know at at your core would you do that you know so yeah um, yeah I love that you know and you being so clear on your core values too is really helpful to be able to identify that in other people and and I love your perspective of community and you know being in community with them in this moment and and the fact that you still are like you know people are redeemable I mean (laughs) you know the fact that you shout out to my sister-in-law for that because she has really helped me like understand that everyone is redeemable so uh <laughs> shout out to my sister I love that. but I love i'm that. like my person my nature is like i'm done with you like <laughs> yes. never again you're not coming back and she's just so like loving and like still like she she has boundaries but she's like okay well you know if you you know apologize and we can like still talk through this and we can still be friends so I love shout that. out to her that lesson. Yes, yes, that's what's so great about having so many different people around us supporting us, right? And talking yeah. through some of those hard things and pointing right. out, you know. That. Yeah, community. Yes, so, yes, yeah. absolutely. I love that. And I think what is so great about life is that we will continue to learn our entire lives and we will learn from one another. Um, and to to really maintain that that openness is, is definitely a value of mine. I have always said I never want to get to the point in life where I'm not willing to learn about, I mean, just anything in life. You know, I want to be able to remain open um, and to to really be able to interact with other people on a really deep level so that we can because I think we can learn from anybody I really believe that yeah Yeah, exactly me too so that's really great you know as we're finishing up here um I did notice that you were thinking that you might give some recommendations for reading so if you have some of those that you'd like to give I would love to hear those yes for sure um books on racism or colorism or um classism uh I have a few um I have uh, a few nonfiction or fiction books, sorry. Uh, one is The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. Uh, that is talking about like uh, an unarmed person that was shot by the police and the emotions and the community response around that. Um, On the Come Up is also by Angie Thomas. Uh, that is about classism, really. Um, yeah, uh, An American Marriage is really good book oh my gosh it's by tayari jones um and it's all centered by around someone falsely accused and they went to prison um being falsely accused right newlyweds um 
and the husband went to prison for something that he didn't do and how that rocked their relationship um nonfiction, i have trevor noah's born a crime and he was born um by a white uh, father and a black mother in the middle of apartheid in south africa and how that affected their lives so that was a really good one so um, those are my recommendations for this. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing those. We'll definitely link those too so that people have easy access to them. So, you know, um, do you usually recommend that people buy on Amazon or do you have like a small bookshop or anything that you like to order from online? I go to Amazon. I do have, yeah, I go to Amazon. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Um, my sister. You have on my website. Sorry. No, go ahead. Um, on my website, I do have like uh, affiliate links. Oh. So if you want to go there, but it's all to Amazon. It's, you yeah. can add that or, or, or add it, edit this out. if you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's perfect. What, um, what I'll do is then I'll link to that. And so that, that sounds perfect. Okay. Let's do that. That'll be easy for people to be able to find that. And I think it's definitely something that's needed right now. And, you know, and I know that I've been watching and reading and paying attention as much as possible. And, um, you know, definitely think that that's important. It's important right now. It's important all the time, but it's definitely important right now. It's just to really be, be aware and be learning. So I definitely appreciate that. Can you tell everyone where they can find you online again? So your social media and such. So uh, my Instagram is probably the best kept <laughs> up to date, uh, social platform. So it's at listen up and read. Um, I'm also at, uh, listen up and read on dot com on facebook and then my website is listen up and read dot com that is awesome well thank you so much truly for reaching out and for coming on the show and just sharing your heart and talking through some really hard things but you know Anna, i just appreciate you so much and i'm so glad that we've had the opportunity to get to know each other um and i'm yeah. hopeful you'll come back again sure anytime you want me to come back i will come back and if i have some suggestions i'll ask you yes, if I can come. that's perfect <laughs> well thank you so much i appreciate it all right. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. For all things related to this episode, please go to www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast, where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. See you next week for another episode.